You're listening to a leadership message from Pastor Jurgen Matesius here at Awaken Church. To find out more about us, go to awakenchurch.com. The title of this message today that I want to speak is the Speak Work Conundrum. The Speak Work Conundrum. It could also be the Word Work Conundrum. The Word Work Conundrum, but I just... Uh, Quite often I'll look around and many of you know that the name Jürgen comes from George and George means farmer. And so I was absolutely ticked that I had a name Jürgen with a J growing up in Australia, fine in Germany, but in Australia, uh, Jürgen, Jürgen, you know, no, it's Jürgen. Oh, 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 okay. I'll scratch the J out and put a Y. Oh, no, no, it's actually spelt with a J. Oh, Jürgen? No, no. And so... And then when I found out that, you know, uh, names have meanings, I'm like, oh, wow, maybe my name means something awesome and all the shame and the mockery over the years will be completely abated by finding out my name means something awesome, only to find out that my name, Jürgen, is a derivative of George. And I'm like, dear goodness, I used to make fun of people called George. And so, and I thought, you know, this could be like God. Things get worse before they get better. And then... I look up the name George and the meaning of the name George, farmer. Not warrior, not champion, farmer. I was so mad, so ticked. And uh, many of you have heard my, my comedy shtick that I do on it, you know, that you never hear Hollywood, you know, the farmer will save the planet from megalomaniac aliens with their, you know, and... But if I was honest with you, I, I love, I love just watching the breath of God uh, breathe on who I am as a farmer when I see beautiful Colby Gardeners, when, when, I, when I see the, 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 the people flourishing. And for me, you know, at 16 campuses, you know, honestly, all of that's incidental. That's I don't live, breathe, 16 campuses, you know. It's kind of like, well, it's important to have a vision because, you know, if you're driving a car, it's important to be going somewhere. Quite, quite often I'm driving behind people. I'm like, wow, are you, are you not going? Are you just driving? Anyway, and uh, I'm always going somewhere and, <laughs> and need to get there. But... Uh, so it's important to have that, but if I was honest with you, the, the, the passion that I have and the, the, the drive and the motivation and literally the litmus test is what are we growing? What are we growing? You know, am I growing Davids? Am I growing giant slayers? So are, are, we, are, we, are we growing influencers? Are we growing marketplace engineers? Are we growing innovators? Are we... Uh, is there an atmosphere and an environment here at Awaken that causes people to flourish like it says in Psalm 92? Because I've been around long enough to see uh, Christians or people stifled in church because it gets clogged with politics. It gets clogged with ego. It gets clogged with insecurity. And, uh, and, the, the church mission is, you know, big numbers on a Sunday because the pastor needs that for his own ego as opposed to the development of people. 
you probably would have heard it. And we, you know, Leanne and I joke all the time that for about the last maybe five years or so, uh, it's kind of crept through a lot of the churches that it's not about you. It's about the lost. It's not about you. It's about the lost. And it was, it was, it was you know, picked up by so many, hey, it's not about you, Jared. If you're saved, it's not about you. It's about the people lost out the outdoors, the people, the people who are perishing outside. You know, and so, and, you know, people like don't want to be selfish. I don't want to be greedy. Shoot, you're right. You know, we've got to save these people. They're going to burn in hell for all eternity. It's not about me anymore. And then you get them saved, and they're like, man, all the love and all the attention and the outrage, man, this is incredible. Well, yeah, that was last week when you were unsaved. Now that you're saved, it's not about you anymore. Just get in line. Uh, how do I make it about me again? Well, maybe if you backslide. So that the whole emphasis is on how many people know it never stops being about you? God, God, doesn't, God doesn't quit on you when you get saved. God, I'm saved, Gabriel. All right, well, they should be fine now. You know, since I got saved, it's never not been about me. His love, his mercy, his kindness, his goodness, his persistence, his faithfulness, it never stops being about you. We want to be a church where it's always about you, always about you, to see people flourish, to see a Jess and Kat, to, to see a Lance and Alicia, to see a Matt and Michaela. I mean, just to see people flourish, to see them kicking goals and taking names, to see other churches, you know, that the pastor has to get up on a Sunday and say, preach against prosperity. And there's a, there's a church where the pastor drives a Maserati. He drives a Maserati. Like, wow. You know, people are like, yeah, yeah, that's a bad church. Honey, oh, we should check that church out. I'm sick of not being able to pay the bills and keep the lights on and sitting under this demonic teaching. Anyway, in Jesus' name, no, that was very naughty. I shouldn't say that. All right. All right. Uh, where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? All right. Let's go. Let's go to 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 7, verse 1. So welcome, everybody. I just, I'm so thrilled to be able to speak to you today. I got, I got a little bit of a word on my heart that I'm still working out. So forgive me if it's got a few little bumps in it. Uh, 2 Kings 7 verse 1, but Elisha said, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time, a seer of fine flour will be sold for a shekel and two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. Right now, Samaria in this story is under siege and gripped by one of the, the severest famines. The famine is so bad that they're selling a calf of dove's dung and donkey's heads because there's no food, there's no sustenance. And in the laws of supply and demand, because there's no food, people are selling what the dove's rejecting, selling stubborn donkey heads cantankerous thinking they're selling it for inflated prices because the people are starving. And then Elisha walks into the scene and Elisha releases a word. And he says, hear the word of the Lord. 
This is really important because until Jesus splits the sky, you and I will, will continually be placed by God. He, he's looking for an Elisha. He's looking for an Elijah. He, he's looking for a church. For, for many years, we would hear about, you know, where's the God of Elijah? And man, you know, we need to have a showdown with Baal and call down fire. But, but all the miracles are, are, are not released in, in the sunshine and lollipops summer that they're always released it, it, in fact it's it's the, the the severity or the darkness sometimes of the the culture and the wickedness that causes righteousness to rise that causes the voice of the lord to be heard or literally the voice of the lord to be found god finds his prophets in times of chaos and so when when 2020 hit and there was a global pandemic and from the outset you know i was called a conspiracy theorist and conspiracy theorists never never if people call you a conspiracy theorist never feel bad about that it's just that the unchurched don't know how to how to correctly identify the prophetic so they just call it a conspiracy theorist and, uh, and so i'm like yeah this is not this is not a coincidence i guarantee you this is funded by globalists and corrupt people that want to remove a president who puts America first and put somebody in that brings America to its knees to submit to a global agenda, to a global agenda. And so we, we saw 2020 was devastating. And because of the shutdowns and the lockdowns, many people fled our state and went to red states thinking that if they flee there, that it'll be easier, not, not, not realizing that the fight will come to you no matter where you run no matter where you're, you're you're better off standing here you're better off fighting here you know people said oh you know gosh if it keeps getting worse like are you going to leave san diego i'm like no god called me to san diego he didn't call me to to you know fair weather he didn't call me to convenient times he called me to the city of san diego and we're going to fight we're going to fight till our last breath for san diego we're going to push back but I've got, I've got a sneaky suspicion that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So, so, so Elisha comes and he says, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord, tomorrow about this time a seer of fine flour shall be sold for a shekel, two seers of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria. <clears throat> then the captain, on whose hand the king leaned. Bible is, Bible is magnificent in its language. If you read that, that should, that should conjure Proverbs 3, 5 into your head. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding. So, so the king leans on a servant, which is his own understanding. And in their understanding, the, the, he says, if the Lord himself should make windows in heaven, could this thing be? But he said, to him, you shall see it with your own eyes, but you shall not eat of it. Verse 3, now there were four men who were lepers at the entrance of the gate, and they said to one another, why are we sitting here until we die? If we say, let us enter the city, the famine's in the city, we shall die there. If we sit here, we die also. So now come, let us go over to the camp of the Syrians. If they spare our lives, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. So they arose at twilight to go to the camp of the Syrians. But when they came to the edge of the camp of the Syrians, behold, there was no one there, 
For the Lord had made the army of the Syrians hear the sound of chariots and of horses, the sound of a great army, so that they said to one another, Behold, the king of Israel has hired kings against us, the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Egypt to come against us. So they fled away in the twilight, abandoned their tents, their horses, their donkeys, leaving the camp as it was and fled for their lives. Let me just, uh, let me just break this down a little bit. So in Genesis, Genesis opens with God said, and it was so. God said, let there be light. Light was. God said, let there be a firmament. And it was so. God said, let the waters above separate from the waters beneath. And it was so. God said, let dry land appear. And it was so. God said, let the ground produce. And it was so. God said, let the earth bring forth. And it happened. God said, and it was so. God said, and it was so. God said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. And then God created man in his image and his likeness. Genesis 2 says, and the Lord took the man whom he had formed, and he placed that man in the garden to tend and to keep the garden. So, so God, God creates by speaking, but then he creates a man and he puts the man in his paradise, in his garden to do the working. And there's a, there's a, there's a beautiful symbiosis that you will find with the, the relationship with God and it's the mission of the church, that God will speak a thing and it's our job to work a thing. It's our job to work a thing. We, we, we recognize that to, to win our city, both must be present. That there must be a word present, but work must also be present. They say that without, without a vision, the people perish. But they say that without a people, the vision perishes. Because the word requires work. It requires work. For, for, for us to, to get 16 campuses, the campuses don't just come pristine, bing, you know, with, with the requires work. Like we, we buy an East campus and then we find out that, that well, you know, you kind of probably need to replace the roof and there's way too many structural poles. And then as we get into the project, we realize, you know what, well, we're better off just blowing the whole thing up and starting all over again. Then we find out from the city that if you do that, that's considered a brand new construction project, a new building. And so that's a three-year process, and we don't have three-year process. And so we're like, well, how do we get around it? Well, if you leave one wall up, if you leave one wall up, then it's not a new. And so that's what, but it's, you know, we've had to knock everything down, you know, start all over again. So right now they're working on, they're working. You know, it's, it's, it's people come into the house of God, but before they sit in their seat, they've already, they've already got impressions on, on the church. And it's because people got up early and they smile in the parking lot as they wave people in. They, they solve problems with getting people onto the property and off the property and parking. And, and, so, and, and, and when they get in, they, they come over and they find their way to, to being greeted at the door by someone smiling and then someone directing them to kids' church. And then kids' church doesn't just happen. There are people there that have, have uh, spent all week preparing lessons and preparing, you know, all the, all the little treats and all the little 
intricacies that, that go into making kids church. And then, then we have our junior high and they're all down the front worshiping, but they go to a junior high program where, where there's, you know, uh, a, a word and there's engagement and there's all of that is work. And, and there's this beautiful, there's this beautiful symbiosis of God speaks and we work, God speaks and we work. But it's an amazing thing that, that God gave Adam a mouth. God gave Adam a mouth. And for lack of a better term, God wanted Adam to work, but he also wanted Adam to speak. And so God was, was discipling his son. He was developing his son. So the first thing that God does is God doesn't speak to Adam before, sorry, after Eve. He speaks before Eve. And he says to Adam, of all the trees of the garden, you can freely eat except that one. That one's mine. Don't eat from that tree. The day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And then it's a few verses later where Adam's asleep and God pulls out a rib and he brings him the woman. So God brings Adam this, you know, most, most beautiful gift, this extraordinary gift. But Adam fails to steward that gift by speaking. He's meant to, to speak to her. now. It's, it's, it's obvious from Eve's conversation with Satan, with the serpent, when he says, has God really said? He's testing. He's testing, has Father God put his, put his word in his son's mouth? And has that word been released? And have you come under that word? Have you, have you embraced, have you received that word? And she says, well, God did say of all the trees we, of the garden, we can freely accept that one in the day that we eat of it. We, in fact, we shouldn't even touch it lest we die. And he says, you will not surely die. God knows the day you eat from that tree, you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the Bible says then she saw differently. She saw that the tree was good for food, pleasant to the eyes, able to make one wise. And she took and she gave to her husband who was with her. Adam's silence right there caused the greatest real estate transaction to take place where the whole earth belonged to him and it slipped away and the devil says, the earth is mine. All the kingdoms, all the cities, all their glory, all their splendor. Adam was there. Adam should have spoken. Because Adam failed to speak, we had to go into what is called the Old Testament. The Old Testament is very, very simple because, because Adam failed to speak God's word. He had to go back to work God's word. So the entire Ten Commandments were works-based. But the, the, the frustration of the Old Testament was that no matter how hard I work, it's, I, I cannot work, I cannot obey, I cannot labor my way back into right standing with God. So then the word had to become flesh and dwelt among us. And then the word that dwelt among us fulfilled the entire law. But interesting that he's born in the house of Joseph, who was a carpenter. Because God says, you're going to do your greatest work with wood and nails. 
And now the New Testament is no longer works, but it's you receiving God's word. And then Romans 10 verse 9 says that, that with the heart one believes, but with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That, that if you believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So, so we see this word work. We see this speak work conundrum. I say, I say all of that to, to say that, that, that God has both of these things in play, that God speaks and we work. God speaks and he, he works. With, without God speaking, all our work is futile. Many, many times over the years, people have said, you ought to do this and you ought to, you know, hey, is the church going to run this event? Is the church going to, you know, have protests? Is the church going to, and, and some of those things are very, very good things. That They're not bad things, they're good things. But my job as the shepherd is to discern the good from the God. Because you can get so busy doing good things that you can miss the God thing. And if you've got all this energy and all this work over here doing good, then, then you might just miss God. So we try and pull everything back because life is short. Your, your time, your energy, your devotion, your consecration, your labor is too precious for us to just be pursuing good works when, when really let's hear from God. And once we hear from God, then let's tend and let's keep to what God has said and let's, let's operate in, in that word. A centurion... A centurion comes to, to Jesus and he says, you know, my servant lies at home sick. W you know, would you, would you heal him? And Jesus says, I will come at once to your house. And the centurion says, you know the story, the centurion says to Jesus, oh, no, no, no. I am not worthy for you to come under my roof. But like you, I too am a man under authority. Like you, are like, like, like you I too am a man under authority. I speak to this one, go, and he goes. I speak to this one, come, and he comes. Just speak the word, and my servant will be made whole. Jesus, the Bible says, marveled and said, not in all Israel, not amongst the scribes, not amongst the chief priests, not in the Sanhedrin, not amongst the Pharisees, the Sadducees, Gamaliel, Nicodemus, not amongst any of these men. Have I seen such great faith? And then Jesus spoke and his servant was healed that very moment. It's, it's faith that takes us from work to speak. When, when, when faith comes in, so to, 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 to buy properties, to buy properties, we have to work. So, you know, we have to work to earn money. We have to, but, but I found that there's a dimension that we release over the people in Awaken, where absolutely you, you need to work, you need to earn, you need to work, you need to work, you need to earn, you need to work. But there's also, there's also a dimension that, that we recognize. Abraham and Sarah did the work, but there was no baby because her womb was barren. And it didn't matter how many times they worked, they labored. There was no, there was no, there was no conception until a word was released from heaven and faith came. And then 
what was toxic or what was barren becomes fruitful. In the same way, we live in a place where we're, we're so far above our pay grade. I couldn't, I couldn't have bought my house on the salary that I'm on because the house is greater than the salary I get for, for my work. But I don't have to live according to the work of my hands because I'm born again. Because the spirit of the living God lives on the inside of me. There's a, there's a dimension where there's speak work. The, the, the rest of the world just has work. You and I have speak work. And how, how do I graduate, graduate from work into that dimension? It's very simple. It's faith. And it's when you speak by faith. So in John 6, 63, Jesus says, my words are spirit and they are life. My words are spirit and they are life. May I say to you that all words are spirit, but not all words are life. All words are spirit, but not all words are life. You, you, you're never not prophesying. You, you, you and I were created. You and I were created to, to speak. Now, God, God gave man a mouth so that we could speak. What, 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 what does he want us to speak? Well, God wants us to speak his word. Uh, you know, I loved watching the, the, the prayers up here. One of, one of the litmus tests that I look for of how, how effective we, we are at discipling is, is the prayers, the prayers. I listened to the prayers and I, I was so moved this morning to hear beautiful Mrs. Arce praying with, with authority, re rebuking spirits of death, commanding, commanding the demonic to pass over, declaring that over the hospital, declaring over Stephen that the, that the destroyer can't touch, that he can't. Because, because when we pray, we're at our penultimate when we're praying God's word. There's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a, a, a lie that sneaks in and it lands because we know that God loves sincerity. We know that God is sincere and that a contrite and a broken spirit, he'll, he'll by no means drive away. So absolutely, we come to God contrite. We come to God broken. We don't come in arrogance. We don't come with pride. We but, but, we, we, but just... That that may be how you approach God, but that's not how you remain with God. If you come in broken and 12 months later, you're still broken, we failed. If you come in dysfunctional and 12 months later, you're still dysfunctional, we failed. That there's, there's something wrong here. And so we may come to God broken, we may come to God contrite, but at some point, it's got a shift where you begin to recognize that you are seated in Christ in the heavenly places, far above every principality, power, throne, dominion, and might, every name that is named, that he has given you the name that is above every other name. At some point, at some point, you've got to elevate where you realize, man, I'm working this thing, but my work can't take out the cancer. My work can't get me a, a home in, in a time where house prices are through the roof. My, my work can't locate these campuses. My work can't and, and you realize I've got to bring in the son, the daughter of God dimension where I've got to bring in faith so that I can faith speak. Because as I speak a thing, things shift. Because Elisha, when Elisha brought the word of the Lord, here's the thing, the four lepers didn't know a word was released. 
They didn't realize the word was released, but, the, but that something shifted in their thinking. They thought, man, we're dying here. If we go in the city, there's death in the city because there's famine in the city. Why don't we just go down to the enemy camp? What's the worst that can happen? They kill us? Let's just go. And these four lepers have no idea that a word was released in the heavenly realm. And four lepers, if anybody is disqualified, if anybody's like, you shouldn't even, we don't even know their names. So God is trying to say, hey, you may feel like a leper. You may feel unknown. You may feel overlooked. You may feel discarded. You may feel rejected. But God, when he releases a word, it's whosoever believeth. Whosoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Whosoever believes in me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Our job is to go into Salt Lake and begin to prophesy, release the word over that city so that it becomes known as Sweet Lake. See, there's something shifted in the atmosphere. When we came to San Diego, one of the prophecies was the water in San Diego is bad. And they didn't mean, they didn't just mean like the, the physical water, you can't drink it out of the faucet. They said that, that they said that there's a, it's a preacher's graveyard, that, that you couldn't build a spirit-filled church, that, that there was, a, there was, a, that there was an, a, an absence of healings and miracles and the supernatural, that the supernatural wasn't flowing in San Diego. It had got so clogged by, by, theological high thinking and, and certain theology that, no, that dismissed the gifts. It said the, the gifts ceased with the, with the first apostles. And, 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 but, but they said that you're going to go and Isaiah 43, 18, that you're going to bring rivers in the wilderness, streams in a desert. And so we knew that when we came here, we would hear all the narrative. We would hear all the words that were spoken and the words were the reflection but they were leaning on their own understanding. How can this thing be? How can this thing be? I honestly believe that unless you're speaking something and you don't have that, how can this thing be? You're not really declaring the word of the Lord. Our job is to, to, to speak a word where, where people with their reasoning and their understanding say, how can this thing be? How can you come to San Diego in 2005 with three little boys in suitcases, no church, no congregation, no building, you're not taking anything over, you don't know anybody, you don't know a millionaire or a billionaire is gonna fund this thing, and then building after building, location after location, congregation after congregation, leader after leader is raised up because we understand the speak, work conundrum, that we work but we speak, and, and all of our work flows from our speak. It flows from our speak. So when faith comes, and faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God, it's, 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 it's just so beautiful that, that Jesus did the works so that we can now have faith, so that we can, we, we can be elevated again to that place where we speak the word. We speak the word. So I don't echo the world when they say, well, you know, America's going to hell in a handbasket and, you know, our city and God bless you, but that's not our confession. Our confession is to, to wait upon the Lord, is to wait on God. And when we get that word from God, we release that word. Like the centurion looks at Jesus, I've got to finish, looks at Jesus and says, I too am a man under authority. Why did God leave the tree in the garden? So that Adam could remain under authority authority. God put him in a garden and says, all the trees you can freely eat except this one. 
this, this one's mine. I need you to tend and to keep it. I need you to fertilize it and prune it, but you're not to eat its fruit because it's mine. Why would God do that? So that, there was, so that Adam would recognize in all the blessings and all the bounty that he saw that it was all because of him. It was the goodness of his heavenly father. It was the benevolence. It was the graciousness. It was the loving kindness. And that this one belonged to him. And while Adam obeyed, he was under authority so that he could speak with authority. But they, they lost their way when they ate from the tree. So when we, when we come to Christ, he fulfilled all the law and he brings us back into that place where now when faith comes, I too am a man under authority. You too are a man, woman, under authority. That's why the devil will do everything he can to trip you up with offense, rebellion, all kinds of things to try and get you. Well, you don't understand how hard it is. You don't understand how difficult it is. We had seven years in, in New Zealand where literally if I would have quit and shared with you why I quit, you'd say, oh, 100%. Hunt, completely concur, I would have quit too. But I knew it was God testing me. I've given you every reason. There's all kinds of abuse. But I'm like, where else do I go, Lord? You alone have the words. Until you, tell, you told me to come, I ain't, I ain't leaving until you give me the word to leave. Because I need to stay under authority. I need to stay under that word. Because I may just need that word to flow through me. You and I were created to do the works of God. Jesus in John 6 is asked the question, what shall we do to do the works of God? He says, believe in the one whom he has sent. As you believe confession, as you confess, what are you prophesying over? What are you speaking over? What are you declaring over your life, over your finances, over your future? What are you speaking? Death and life is in the power of the tongue. Make, make a decision. You're just going to, you're going to actually limit the death speak. Now, you need death speak. You need it because we, we, we put to death the things of the devil. We put to death the, the negative words. We, we, we speak death over those things. But be careful you don't say, oh, man, I'm such a klutz. Man, I'm never, I feel like I'm losing my mind. Be careful. Man, oh, man, it kills me that just, just. Speak life. Prophesy. I'm not sure if I, anyway, come on, stand to your feet. Stand to your feet. Just a thought this morning. Lift your hands high to heaven. I don't, yeah, anyway, you guys are very kind. Maybe it's because it's my birthday. Lift your hands high. Father, I thank you right now for these magnificent sons and daughters that you are causing to flourish you are causing to grow, that you are causing to, to be the penultimate of what they were created to be. Father, and I thank you for the anointing. I thank you for the power of God. Father, and I thank you for those who are frustrated. I've done everything. I've done everything. I've done everything. That you are not just a human doing. You are a human being. Be still and know that I am God. Jesus says, peace, be still to the wind and the waves. He didn't say do still. He said be. 
Father, I thank you right now, Lord God, for those who have been working to get a home, working for a relationship, working for a baby, working for a breakthrough, working for a miracle. Father, we thank you, Lord God. And there is a time where there's the working of miracles. But Father, I pray for a shift today that they wait on the Lord to receive a word from the Lord because faith cometh by hearing and hear. As soon as you get a word from God, faith will rise. What do I do then? Now you speak the word. Now you begin to declare the word. You begin to prophesy the word into that arena, into that thing. Everything shifted. The story finishes with everything the man of God prophesied. They had such an abundance from the Syrian camp that there was all kinds of food and all kinds of flour and all kinds of, I mean, gold and silver and trinkets. And it was, it was overflowing. The famine was broken in a day. Everything went from looking hopeless with a hopeless commentary and narrative. We declare over San Diego and we declare over California. We declare droughts broken. We declare righteous people in authority. We declare the, the corruption and the voter fraud comes to an end. We declare it gets exposed. We declare it gets exposed. It gets revealed. And we declare those who are in authority illegitimately come down. We declare, we, we, we pray for our city. We pray for our state. We pray for our nation. We declare that even though the Democrats tried to change the rules yesterday to keep Governor Newsom in there, we declare no weapon formed against the righteous shall prosper. We declare the schemes of the evil ones will come to nothing. We declare blessing and favor in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.